Welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. I hope everyone has had a great week. Um, I feel like ours was pretty good-ish. Yeah. Good-ish. We hung out earlier this week. We did. It was fun. We had dinner. I made red beans and rice and some homemade cornbread and it was fun. And we hope everybody is having a great summer so far. Um... Not sure where you guys live, but it's crazy hot here in Louisiana. Today I took my dogs and my kiddos for a walk, and it, it was a scorcher. Um, we're just trying to make the best of it, you know. We're planning to get back on the streaming game soon. We actually have a stream on Twitch planned for August 22nd, I believe. Yep. That's a Sunday. We do not have an idea of what we're streaming, but we know it's going to be August 22nd. Um... Yeah, we gotta get everything together. We gotta get it planned. We haven't streamed in what two months, three months? Yeah, I think so. Took a hiatus. I was gone for two months, and then we were kind of just trying to get back into doing our weekly episodes together. Um, and if you haven't already heard, we were guests on a local podcast called Once Upon a Time in Shreveport. It was awesome, guys. Me and Crystal had so much fun. We did. It was a blast. Oh, my God. I already want to do it again. Like, I already want to do another one. Um, but you can listen by searching for All Y'all Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, places like that. Um, we had a ton of fun, like I said, with the show's creator, Chris. He was awesome. I felt like we just, like, had chemistry, and, like, me and Crystal just, like... Yeah, total... We, I don't know. It was just, like, we were hanging out with a friend, even though it was our literally our first time meeting him It was that podcaster bond. It was. It was fun. And we hope you guys enjoy the episode. And, yeah, be sure to subscribe to his show. It's awesome. And um, I don't have much other business other than usual. You know, we don't like to make it too long. Um, be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms, we have Instagram, it's Bayou, or Bayou underscore Chronicles. Yep. Yeah, sorry. We had to change it up. Like we said, there's another person out there that has a fishing uh, stream. Which y'all should go follow. Yeah, but we I would really like to trademark it, and that way yeah. it's just, you know, it's us. But, but we yeah. got to give the guy credit. He did have the name, too. Yeah, so. he did. But And you can also find us on YouTube, Bayou Chronicles Podcast, all one word. We just hit 52 subscribers. I'm pumped about that. I know that's not a big number. But, yeah, anyways um come interact with us talk with us we love when people you know direct message us and email us we've had some not so nice people email us from youtube but we wanted but i will say i do feel like our youtube comments are getting a little bit nicer they're not they're a little bit more constructive criticism which which we we like like. yeah like if you're gonna criticize us definitely do it in like a helpful way positive way something that can better ourselves not like do that positivity sandwich where you lay start with something nice put the criticism in the middle and and then then bring with something nice like, we yeah. like that. We appreciate it. Honey pot us, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Anyways. We love when y'all reach out to us because some of our episodes have been people writing in and giving us ideas. And that's what we like. Um, well, that's all for me today. Uh, Crystal is taking us to South Louisiana with a chilling tale of another one of Louisiana's serial killers. 
I don't. People probably don't realize how many serial killers we have in Louisiana. But or really in country, but in, still, yeah, we have a lot. Like I um, feel like people just think of like the most popular ones, and they get like oversaturated. Florida. Basically, yeah. People think Florida or California. Yeah, but I mean, there's really so many of them, and they're all kind of a little interesting. I mean, they're they have their quirks. It's sad. Like it's. I will be the first to say that even though we do have a true crime podcast, we shouldn't be the people who like we shouldn't glorify these people. Like, they're nothing to be glorified about. Anyways, it's a crazy ride, so hold on tight and get ready, and I'm going to pass it on over to Crystal. Okay, guys, so it's a rough one. You know, I always give you the roughest ones for some reason, and Bethany gives you rough ones, but kind of like, they're never that bad. I I do have some rough ones that I'm working on right now, but yeah, I feel like Crystal gets the... She gets the crazy, disgusting ones. The disturbing like. ones. Yeah, I just get the sad ones. Yes, you're <laughs> very. You get the sad ones. I get the disturbingly sad ones. Like there are people out there that are this horrible. Yep, that's me. Mm-hmm. I, I find them. Um, so from 1997 to 2006, the people of South Louisiana found 23 bodies in the swamps, marshes, and fields, and underpasses, and everywhere basically of the LaForche, Iberville, Jefferson, and Terrebonne Parish. While that was only about two bodies per year, it's still enough to alert police that something strange was going on. And I will preface, this wasn't exactly two bodies per year. There were some years where there were more than some years where there was none. So this is just like on average. Um, But most of these men and I will say most of these men shared one thing in common. They were either criminals, I hate saying that, or had a criminal past. Um, They were um, drug users. They were sex workers. I hate to stigmatize and kind of lump all those people in together. I don't know how a way, I don't know a correct way to group them together. There were people that... Probably there like, are people who needed help. That if they went missing or something, the they probably didn't you know, yes. bat an eye. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's really sad. So mm-hmm. please don't think that I'm thinking less of them. I'm just trying to find a way to express to you that they are not people who... I don't even want to say that. I don't want to say that they're not people who would be missed. Because they did have family who did miss them. They did have families who felt their loss. They were just not what people considered to be. It was people putting themselves in circumstances that could have led them to their death. Yeah. I I guess you could say that. It's a good way to describe it. Um, There's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm not judging anyone for it. But um, we do not know a lot about the circumstances that led them to be who they are, where they are, so I can't even judge that. I simply mention it because I want to say that because all of that is what led to them being targeted by a man named Ronald Dominique, who would be known as the Bayou Serial Killer. I mean, that's a super creative name, but that's what his name. So, Ronald was born, I believe, in Houma, Louisiana, so a little bit south of um, New Orleans in 1964. By all accounts, he was a pretty strange kid. Um, according to the book called The Bayou Killer, again, very, very 
very clever, by an author named Jack Smith. It's a book about his life and the murders, and he mentions that there is a rumor that Ronald's mom and his older brother actually carried out an affair for several years. I couldn't really find this information repeated anywhere, but it was definitely weird, and I could see how it could leave some type of trauma that would carry over into adulthood. Yeah, your, your brother, daddy. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Um, and it was said that the, he caught them a couple times. Like, It's traumatizing enough to catch your parents, but to catch your mom and, and your, your brother, brother? That's a little weird. I don't know that it was true. Like, again, like I couldn't really find that anywhere else. It was just in this book, and but whatever. Um, if it was a rumor, it was sick. If not, that's a really sad rumor to talk like to start about someone's family so whatever keep that you know keep that as you want get rid of it whatever as he grew up though he did kind of try to fit in he joined the geek glee club i don't know what i was about to say the geek club the geek club and became super involved but despite his involvement he was still considered basically an outcast by the rest of his peers And this was something that would continue his entire life. As he got older, he became a little bit more open about his sexuality. And he began to explore life as a semi-openly gay man. Every time he would attempt to join a new community, though, he would be welcomed at first. But once people got to know him, he was soon seen as an outcast. Mm -hmm. Even his Patti LaBelle impersonation would not be enough for people to like him. Like, this man would cross-dress in drag as Patti LaBelle, and people still didn't like him. So, I feel like that has to say a lot about him. That sucks. I mean, because... That can be society, though. Yeah. You're not their cup of tea. Yeah, you're not their cup of tea, but whatever. Um... If, it, if he wasn't a masked, like, killer, his whole life would be kind of sad. Like, if this was just a life of a guy, it would be pretty sad. He did have to rely on his family for support, and at some point in his life did live with his sister several years prior to his arrest. Overall, he was in pretty poor health um, due to a heart condition, and he had to rely on a cane to get around. This didn't stop him, though, from trying to be a part of his local community and even hosted um, bingo for seniors in his town. So, again, if he wasn't a mass killer, it would be pretty sad, but he's a killer. (laughs) Ronald was no stranger to the law, though. Over the course of several years, he was arrested several times. The first time he was arrested was in 1985 for telephone harassment, Basically, he was just making prank calls and got in trouble. And I mean, he was in his in his twenties by then. Like, why are you on your phone prank calling me? I told you he's a little. I, that is sad. That is sad. He's a, it's a little strange, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's like a little kid thing. Yeah. <laughs> In 1993, though, he met a young man who was interested in buying some weed from him. Um, once he wait, ha- so now he's a drug dealer. Like, he casually did it. Like, he casually had this. Do you, boo? In 1993, so he met this man and wanted to buy, the guy who wanted to buy some weed from him. Once he had the man in his home, so he he got him into his home and said, Hey, I don't want you to see where I keep my weed, so I need you to go into the bathroom. 
And so no, the guy she, went into the bathroom. No, it would have been a red flag for me. <laughs> no. And once the guy, he said, okay, you can come out. And when he came out, he had him, like, he had a gun pointed at him and got him into handcuffs. And once he had him in handcuffs, he sexually assaulted him. So as soon as Ronald was finished with this guy, he decided that he just was going to let him go. He didn't want to kill him. He just wanted to rape him. So, he did that, let him go, and immediately his victim went straight to the police and reported the attack. This was a time, though, when attacks were common, but they were always reported by women, not by men. Mm -hmm. And because of this, this attack was on a man. The police didn't really think it was serious, and they just decided not to investigate. That is just It's gross. It's terrible. It is horrible. And a lot of men don't go for it because, you know... How can you be, you know, assaulted? How can you be raped? You're a man. But it ha- he had a gun and he was handcuffed. What do you want the man to do? Yeah. Anyway, it wouldn't be long before Ronald was arrested for a similar crime, of course. Okay. This time, it would land him in jail. After lurking, lurking, after luring another unsuspecting man into his home and repeating that same sexual abuse... This victim could not be dismissed. Ronald was arrested and thrown in prison, and it was during this time that he com- that he claims his desire to kill first appeared. Rather than thinking, hey, maybe I shouldn't rape anyone else because I got into prison, his thought was, hey, if I kill the next person I rape, they can't tell on me, and I won't have to come back to prison. Oh. So basically, he's a genius. Oh, that's a hell of an idea. You know, hell like, of an idea. Yeah, let, yeah. Not let me become a better person. Let yeah. me just quiet the person. Yeah, let me just kill him. So his first victim was the 19-year-old David Mitchell of Luling, Louisiana, which I actually have friends that live there. Um, the night, that's actually where I was coming from when I got the, the ticket. speeding ticket. Yeah, <laughs> that apparently the people on base can see all my speeding tickets because of... Uh, <laughs> He informed me of that tonight and shocked the crap out of me because I said he <laughs> said so random. he How said we've gotten so many passes. Yes, for I've you. gotten uh, like a million passes, and this guy tonight, who Tyler, if you're listening, this guy was cute. Oh my god, Bethany didn't think so, but I no. thought it was cute. No, it was very cute. Um, but anyway, he goes, "Did you get a speeding ticket in 2017?" And I was like, "Huh." <laughs> I was- I'm supposed to remember that, number one. Yeah. But I did get a speeding ticket in 2017. So, anyway. The night before David was found, he went to a local gay bar with Ronald. And according to Ronald, like, this is when he was testifying later, he charmed and eventually lured David out of the bar and into his car. It was then that he sexually assaulted and dumped his body on the side of the road. And it always bothers me when people do this because it's horrible enough that you murdered someone, but now you also disposed of them like trash. Yeah. And I always think that says more about the killer and the actual trash that they are because you don't just throw someone on the side of the road. Yeah. Yep. David was a well-loved son and brother, and when he failed to show up for work one day, his boss and his mom got concerned. His family spent the day looking for him and contacted the police, and it wasn't long before the police found the body of a young black male. According to Jack Smith in the book, 
uh, the Bayou Killer, he states that before the family had a chance to identify the body, a local news station actually broadcasted the story and showed David's body on camera. His sister saw it and she was obviously horrified, as she should be. I cannot imagine seeing my dead family member on the news when I wasn't even sure that they were dead. I would be so angry. Unfortunately, David was found with his pants down and no signs of strangulation. Um, This is important, obviously, because this has a lot to do with how the future bodies are found. And without any leads, the case went cold, in a sense. It wouldn't be long until Ronald was at it again, trying to satisfy this urge to attack. 20-year-old Gary Pierre was the next one to fall victim. Again, another black young black man was found sexually assaulted and strangled. And they're, they're younger than him. They're young. Because he's like, what, in his 30s now? Mm-hmm. Late Cause, 30s? Yes, because this was 97, 96. The police had to have suspected something at this point. Murders happen in South Louisiana a lot. Like, any, not a lot, but they happen um, like any other part of the country. But when two men are raped and strangled in a period of five months, you have to think something is going on. Only six months later, he attacked a third time. This time, 30-year-old Larry Ransom was attacked and found dead. I couldn't find out much about him during research other than the fact that he was also from Luling. But despite this lack of information, it's important to remember that he was a human with a family. He was someone's son and that he was taken from this world too soon. And he didn't deserve anything that happened to him. Or how the media just like blasts them all over TV and the newspaper before they. That's why, that's one good thing about the military. You have a 24 hour grace period. Yeah. Like if something happens on base, they can't release anything to the news outlets, no pictures, no anything until 24 hours of notifying family. That's. Why doesn't everybody else. You would think that that. people would do that just out of kindness for families. Only. Um, one of Ronald's most publicized crimes was the murder of Oliver LaBelle. Oh my gosh. Start over. Jesus. Crystal. (laughs) One of Ronald's most published. Publicized. She's got it. We're not ending this out. One of Ronald's most publicized crimes was the murder of Oliver LeBlanc's. LeBanks. LeBanks. (laughs) She's got it. This gives it the show character. One of Ronald's most publicized crimes was the murder of Oliver LeBanks, or Ollie, as his friends and family called him. That's so cute. I know. I love the name Ollie. Oliver. And Ollie. I love the name yeah, Ollie as a nickname for Oliver. I love it. From all accounts from his friends and family, Ollie was a family man. He loved his kids. He lived with a woman. Um, and his kids were something that he prided himself over and tried to see them as often as he could. They all admitted that even though he was a hard worker, he did suffer from a drug addiction. This would lead to him being fired from his job, and it he started to sell his body in order to get money. While sex work is a valid means of work, using it to fund a drug problem just breaks my heart. Yeah, that's different. That's not... that. Because your drug addiction put you in that spot. Now, if you started sex working 
uh, you just want to do it. Yeah. But if, like Crystal said, if it's addiction that's brought you down that path, I mean, you are, you're now bad. Yes. And that really, truly breaks my heart. I hate the path that drug addiction takes people. In an effort to find someone who would be willing to pay, he hit up a local bar called Rawhide, which is where it was a gay bar, and a lot of the people could be seen wearing leather. Oh. Yeah, I know. Spicy. That's what I said. I was like, okay. It would be here that he spotted Ronald sitting at the bar alone, probably looking pretty pathetic. Um, I mean, I hate to say it. He's feeling down. He's feeling down. He hadn't raped or murdered anybody in a hot minute, so... He approached him and offered himself, and Ronald agreed, and the two decided to go back to Ronald's car. After performing the act that he was paid for, um, Ronald forced Ollie onto his stomach and sodomized him. According to Jack Smith, when Ronald was testifying about what happened, he said that when he forced Ollie, he then forced Ollie to, quote, rub his thing on him, and that... Ollie's thing got too close to his butthole, basically. Well, not basically, actually. And that made him angry. Apparently, he had been gang-raped in prison, and it was so violent that it required stitches. Oh, man. Um, and when this happened, it kind of made him instantly remember. It made him have, like, PTSD, basically. Yeah. And angry about this, Ronald grabbed a tire iron that was in the back and started slamming it against Ollie's head. Wow. Once he was down, he started to strangle him. After killing him, he drove his body to an overpass and again disposed of this father, brother, and son as the trash that he thought he was. Mm-hmm. Police investigated based on leads that were given to them by Ollie's brother about the club, but nothing ever really came of it. It was just weeks into the investigation when they found 16-year-old Joseph Brown in a similar situation as the other victims. Yet again, just weeks later, another man, this time 18-year-old Bruce Williams, was found dead. If it's not obvious to you by now, his cooling down period is close to non-existent. These men were out there defenseless against his chubby 30-something balding man. Oh my god. That's he's so... <laughs> oh my god. He's so like the antithesis of what we think of as a serial killer. Yeah. Like this like... You think Sad, of him as having to depressed, be... frail yeah. man. And he's just... Yeah. I just... I don't understand it. But I, it's so weird to me. He, like he would be an easy target. Yes. He would be an easy target. He would be an easy target. Manuel Reed, age 21, was his next victim. And I do feel like it's important that we talk about as many of them as possible because we may not know a ton about each victim. But as I said before, they are all people and they deserve to be remembered and have their name said. Manuel had a similar story to Ollie. He agreed to go back to Ronald's car with him and after performing a sexual act was hit on the head with a tire iron and then strangled. It wouldn't be a couple of weeks after this that the body of Angel Mija, as I guess that's how you say it. I feel like yeah. as half Mexican I should know how to say these <laughs> things that, better. Yeah. But I'm sorry. Was found and by this point the media was all over it claiming that a killer was on the loose and responsible for these murders. It's like they want a serial killer. They do. All it, media it feels does. Their their 
feed. It gives them something to talk about. It's like about. people are killing people. Yes. Let's put it everywhere. Yeah, and I'm like, can you be respectful maybe? Yeah. They claimed that he had a profile and that his next victim would fit in with all the previous victims. Mitchell Johnson was a young African-American man who was found in a similar way as the other victims. In a weird move, Ronald left his body in the same place as Ollie's. Maybe this way, maybe this was his way of taunting the police. Maybe it was just him challenging them. I don't know, but he left him in the exact same spot. He decided that it was his time to move out of New Orleans area and settle in Homa with his sister. Once he got settled into this area, he got a job, went to work, and became a member of the community. An awkward member of the community, but a member nonetheless. It wouldn't be long before he needed to basically scratch his itch, I guess, and kill and rape again, because that was his thing. This time, Michael Vincent would be the next victim. That is, that just creeped me out. That is Zach's middle names. Michael Vincent? Yes. That's That's where Alex gets his middle name, Vincent. That just... I really do like that name, though, Vincent. His name I've always liked it. Oh, I'm not going to say it, because then people will be like, then what's his social security number? (laughs) 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 What's the last last four of his social and his date of birth, his mother's maiden name? The three-number security code on the back (laughs) of your debit card. The situation was the same, though. Um, The men, these two men were, quote, fooling around, and Ronald would ultimately attack and strangle him. In what I consider to be one of the most gruesome killings, he placed Michael's body up against a barbed wire fence, almost like he was on display. I'm not kidding. Why doesn't this man just find somebody and start a relationship like, because he was awkward what? i guess i don't know but he goes to these bars and these men approach him and he i mean i guess because they look like he'll pay for sex oh, i don't God. know he gets bold though he starts approaching some of these men oh he gets bold free. yeah like, you could take them to dinner or yeah. a movie or, or something dancing. something This must have satisfied some kind of itch, though, because Ronald wouldn't commit any more murders that we know of for nearly two years. In 2002, he was arrested for slapping a woman who hit his car at Mardi Gras. I'm telling you guys, this guy's a douche. Basically, she had a little baby carriage, and she hit his car, and, like, she apologized. and was like, dude, I'm really sorry, blah, 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 there's no damage. But he, like, freaked out and, like, slapped her. I know if Zach was there, like, that is, like, he sees red. I'll never forget, we were out in town, like, three years ago when we were home, visiting home, and this dude, we were outside of a restaurant, and this dude stopped on the street and threw his girlfriend out of the car. And, like, I thought I was going to have to call the police to, like, not for the dude, but for Zach, because he, like, saw red. He was like, you like to beat on women? And he was, like, charging towards this dude. See, further proof that me and Zach are the same person uh, because I, I am, that is the stuff that I do and I'm just a little I'm just a girl I wasn't afraid that dude was going to shoot him I was afraid my husband was going to do something he was going to go to prison he was like you like to shit you like to beat on women and the dude got in the car and left and have I ever told you the, the story about about my bachelorette party thing I guess that's what you would call it in Nashville before we got married and this guy about this guy catcalling a woman did I ever tell you about yes. that 
And I just started screaming at him and saying, do you really think, how would you feel like that was your sister? Why would you do that? And just bark at men. And like, everyone's are like, Crystal, you're crazy. But that is who I am. Yeah. So, like, like if Zach was at this Mardi Gras parade and saw this, do you do that? He really I, I would have said something. I Tyler has a fear, though, that I am the, I'm going to die because someone kills me for doing something stupid. <laughs> like, that is what it is. Like, if someone's being a douche in public to somebody that's, like, helping them, I well, am the person was, that steps up. It was Fort Walton Beach on a Friday night at, like, 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, this dude probably has a gun in his car. And he's going to shoot my husband. Yeah, and see, I don't think about that. But the dude section. was totally terrified yeah. and got in his car and left but i was like oh my god i i need to like i need to carry i guess or something because i would be that person be like come on come at me come on you really think you think i'm scared of you bro you just got a little tiny penis that's why you're <laughs> acting the way you are oh and like god. i am that person so if you ever encounter she me is. in this situation if you ever need someone to be like your backup that's me like i'm the person that stands up for people that you are being bullied that's very chilled and laid back and very with the flow that's me. that's bethany <laughs> yeah that's why i think that's why we work we, we mesh we we're work. yin and yang yeah anyway because you know we always have to do our random stories in the middle of yep, not the stuff. beginning in the middle it's always in the middle always <laughs> um anyway this guy was a douche because he slapped a woman because she hit his car anyway he was arrested and had to take anger management glasses, basically got a slap on the wrist. But can you imagine how nervous he must have been the entire time? Yeah. Knowing that he's killed all these people and they're arresting him. Didn't they get, like, any DNA from him, though? It's coming. Right? But they didn't have to. They had no reason. Well, yeah, right. I guess he just got slapped. He just she she slapped, she slapped well, somebody. Yeah. No. After this, though, his next victim was 19-year-old Kenneth Fitzgerald, also loved this name, Randolph Jr. That's a long, fancy name. That but I love the name. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. But I love the name Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald because I would like to Randolph name my kid Jr. Fitz. at law. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It sounds great. Um, again, he was killed in a very similar circumstances the other men marks around his wrist from being bound his pants pulled down strangled this time though he was found in a field with his butt up in the air like okay pants down butt up in the air it seems like ronald had moved from staging his victims like in big dramatic ways to just dumping them and kind of posing them in weirdly sexually suggestive demeaning ways the next victim would be 26-year-old Anaka, Anoka, I guess, Jones. Anoka lived with his girlfriend, who he loved, and they had a pretty decent, okay, just regular kind of life. The day before he was found, he told his girlfriend that he was going out for a smoke. She knew that this meant that he was going to go hang out around town. He might, you know, sell some drugs to some people. Yeah. Just... They, she knew that he it had a life a outside of her. It was, them, it was his, yeah, it was yeah. his code word that he needed time, yeah. basically, I guess. And at some point in time, he interacted with Ronald, who stopped to talk to him. He convinced Anoka to be tied up somehow and proceeded to sexually assault him and ultimately kill him. So it's not completely known how it got from like A to B. Okay, but he somehow convinced him to be tied up and ultimately kill him. I will get to a point later in the story that makes more sense as to how he could be tied up and this happened. 
but just know that it's it happened. Okay. I guess it's a little weird if you don't know the details, but I promise it'll it'll, it'll make sense. Um, once he killed him, he decided to dispose of his body in New Orleans, so he loaded him up and drove him to New Orleans, and I guess this was an attempt to kind of confuse the police maybe and throw them off his scent. Dottrell Woods would be the next man to suffer at the hands of Ronald. He was again found in a similar situation. I know it sounds like I'm repeating myself. I really just want to drill in that all of these were connected. Dottrell was 19 years old and his mom said that he was a good kid, that he'd gotten in trouble in the past, but in his heart he was just a really good kid. His body was found pretty badly decomposed in a sugarcane field. Mm -hmm. Larry Matthews would be found next. Due to a tropical storm in the area, his his body would be compromised by the wind and rain. However, it was obvious that his body shared some of the same signs of the previous crimes, like bound wrist, his pants were down, stuff like that, and he was strangled. Soon after, another body was found inside of a storage unit. This was the body of Michael Barnett. Ronald later testified that he had met him the same way as several of the other men, an offer of sex. In 2005, in February, the body of Leon Lorette, I'm sorry, you know I have to, Lorette, was found in the middle of a field. It was soon discovered that Leon was actually friends with Anoka, and was actually questioned by police following his death. Aww. So I'm not sure if that's a coincidence or not, but I do find it incredibly crazy. I mean, it's in the same area. Yeah. They both do the same thing. So, so it makes sense, Yeah, but still crazy. Later that same year in August, Terrell Wilkins was found in the field, in a field. Same situation, and again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I feel like y'all need to know what happened to these people. Police followed leads with no success. August, um, August's girlfriend um, had seen him get into a white truck. They tracked him. They tracked this truck down behind a grocery store that they had found his backpack behind, and it turns out that this driver had gotten drugs from August, but wasn't involved in the murder at all. No sooner had the dust settled, the police got wind of yet another body. This time it was different. This victim was white. Oh. Every victim before was, was a black, young yeah, black man. Yeah, black man. 23-year-old Kirk Cunningham was found bearing all the same marks as the previous victim. That's such a white name. So, the, it is a very <laughs> white name. So, the questions beg, what made him switch races? Was this just a matter of who was around? Did he really not mean for every other what victim to be black? What stick to one race to begin with? Yeah, like, it just popped up a whole lot of questions, but police were pretty sure this was connected based off the fact that everything else that they had found with the other killings was evident in the killing of Kurt as well. Yeah. 28-year-old Alonzo Hogan and 17-year-old Wayne Smith were found back-to-back. Again, the situation happened the same as all the previous times. That one's the youngest. Mm-hmm. No, there was a 16-year-old. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Man, that's He approached terrible. them for sex, and once they agreed and completed the act, he flipped out and killed them. 
He always painted his victims as the ones who attacked him first and caused him to kill them. Um, considering we could only hear his side of the story and not theirs, it's more than likely he's just framing it that way so that he can take away the blame from himself. Is it like he doesn't want to be gay kind of thing? Like he does that and then know. he's like, why did I do this? And then he breaks out and kills them? I'm not 100% sure, but I kind of got that feeling. I get that vibe. Like why? He's like, oh, why am I gay? Like I need to kill them. I, I shouldn't have done that. But it's like. You're gay. Yeah, like he's punishing them for the way he is. Yeah, the way he is, yeah. Yeah. Despite Katrina killing thousands of Louisianians, I think that's a word, so we're (laughs) going to go with it, Ronald kept on attacking and killing men. His next victim was named Chris DeVille. When he did rape... While he did rape Chris, when he killed him, he left him clothed, which was very odd because he hadn't done that with any of the other victims. Yeah, he pulled the pants down with the other ones, yeah. Even more unlike his previous killings, Chris was the complete opposite of all his other victims. Chris was actually a police officer and was very well known in his community. That's bold. Yes. Maybe this was the big slip-up that police were waiting for. Unfortunately, this death prompted the police to get a little bit more serious about the investigation. And oh wow! Of so course, since it's a police officer, they let's started getting more serious. Double down. Got to figure out what happened to the police officer. Wow. Um, they decided that they wanted to seek out possible survivors from other attacks. They knew that based on the criminal history of the previous victims, that there were likely survivors that would not have wanted to go to the police, and this meant that the police would have to go to them. Hmm. After setting up some phone calls with, like, probation officers sure and stuff. What? Siri's trying to talk to us. Ooh, that was creepy. That was very that was creepy. suspenseful. Yeah, Siri is like, I'm not sure I understand. I guess she didn't know how to, she has a question about this episode. This, this episode. Um... After setting up some phone calls with probation officers, they eventually strike gold and find a man who had an experience and was willing to talk about it. They were pretty sure it was their killer based off what he says, and his name is John Banning. John said that he was approached by a man who asked him if he wanted a beer. Weird. Okay. Like, who just asked a random person on the street that. Yeah. But, like... Yeah. And come to my come to like, my truck. I have a the, beer. That's the adult version of come to my van. I have candy. Yes. Oh, come to my truck. I have a, a beer. beer. I have a cold yeah. one. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. So when he got over to his truck, Ronald was sitting there and asked him if he wanted to have sex with a pretty white girl, and showed him a picture. Okay. <laughs> he claims that this woman was his wife and that his wife liked him to find men for her to sleep with. Okay. That's, um, I mean, that happens. That happens, yeah. but okay. Apparently, this worked, and he got in the truck with him. Come on. We teach our children stranger danger. I don't know how this worked, but it worked. So, great. Once they arrived at Ronald's place, he told him that the woman wanted to hog tie him up. Hell no. That's first red flag right there. Yes. And this dude was going to just agree. Oh, my. 
However, like I'm telling you, this guy might not be the smartest cookie. He's a little smart because we'll get there, but he's not the smartest cookie. Um, before he completely agreed, though, he took a look around the room, and that's when he started seeing a bunch of gay porn laying around. And it kind of started to freak him out. So yeah, there's no wife up in here. Yeah, there ain't it's no wife. It's just old this dude. White man. So while Ronald was distracted, he just noped the crap out of there and walked out the house as he should have, and he did. Wow. Once the police heard this story, they asked if John would be able to lead them to his house. Oh, man. And luckily, John had a pretty good memory and remembered exactly how to get to the house. So once they got to his place, they go to the mailbox and they find a piece of mail with the name Ronald Dominique on it. So at this point, they have a, they have the name, but they need to find the man behind it. And they decide to come back at another time. They knock on the door and say, "Hey, would you be willing to talk to us about you know a case that we're doing?" And this man thinks he's cocky, so wow. he's gonna go for it. So they decide to bring him in for questioning, and at first he is just playing it super cool. Like, yeah, I'll totally help you out with whatever you need help with. I'm just here to help you. I'd be freaking out. Right? If it was me. I would be, even if I was innocent, no. I would be freaking out. Just the thought process of sitting yeah, in a room with someone if, grilling me. I mean, now, like, even if I'm just driving down the road and there's a cop car behind me. I'm just me, like, <gasps> there's drugs in my car. Yes. I'm a cartel. I'm, I'm. Like, I'm wanted. Yes. I, I have a warrant out for my arrest. I literally have not even ever gotten a ticket. And, and I'm just like, that's me. I would be freaking out. <laughs> I am the serial killer. And I'm I can, not. I cannot tell you you how many times I have been pulled over and they run my info and I'm just convinced that there's a warrant out for my arrest <laughs> for something random something that I don't even I, I don't know what I did but I'm gonna get in trouble oh, like that is how petrified they I am at all the times fear yes they're like oh yeah I'm definitely writing a ticket <laughs> she's just scared um but anyway so when they ask him why he took John into the house and wanted to tie him up, he claims that it was just a sexual game that he was playing oh. and that John misunderstood what was happening. Sure. And that's why he let him go. Oh yeah. Knowing that they didn't have anything on them on him, he just kind of kept being cocky about it. Not thinking that they could catch him for anything, he did ultimately offer up a DNA sample. Oh, he's done. So he was just he's like, done. Yeah, you can't catch me. Here's he my is. DNA sample. Yeah, no. He's so done. despite the police knowing who he was and his name and that they obviously should have suspected him for something, you would think one would stop killing. You would think. Yeah, right then I would have been like, all right, I'm done. I've had my fun. Like, if they catch me, they mm. catch me, I'm just going to stop. No. No. His next victim would be 21-year-old Nick Pellegrin. So this is after Katrina. This is after they've investigated him. Um, he comes up to Nick because at this point he is like, hey, I don't need you to come to me. I can come to you. <laughs> Like, okay. I can go and talk to you. So, he just asks him, hey, how are you doing? And just casually starts talking to him and says, hey, do you want to come over later and, you know, have some fun? No, thank you. Hard pass. And while Nick was not a stranger to these and he had been asked this before, he was in need of some cash. Oh, God. And he was like, uh, yeah, let, 
let let's do this. That says a lot though to our society and our government that people are out here willing to meet up with sketchy people mm-hmm. with money just to survive. <laughs> yep. So Nick got into his truck, went home with him, was tied up, sexually oh, assaulted, man. murdered, and he strangled him. Jeez. Um it's yeah, it's sad. His body was found less than a week later in the woods. Um, this he did still have all of his clothes on, oh, and okay. um, but his wrists, but his wrists did have the marks of being bound. His neck was strangulated. His neck showed that he was strangulated, Strangled. and just all the other signs matched. So, while police knew that this was likely connected, they were still waiting on DNA results. And yeah. as you know, this is two thousand five. DNA results still take months and months and months. They knew, I think, in their hearts it was him. They just couldn't prove it without the DNA results. There's a lot of stuff connected to him. There's no way it wasn't him. Yes. Well, just a few days later, DNA test came in. And it was a likely match. Mm-hmm. Not a hundred percent, because you know DNA can never they can never match it like a hundred percent. It always has like ninety nine point nine nine nine. Yes, so it was a likely. Um, unfortunately, this DNA was also I don't know how much you know about DNA. As listeners, maybe y'all know more than me and can explain it to me because I don't really know it. But basically, this was like a mitochondrial DNA. Which is my, it's DNA, but the way that it was tested and the way that it came back, or not positive, but as a match, was weird, and it implied that it could be him, but it could also be his sister. Yeah, because sometimes, well, obviously, your DNA and your genes and the strain of your DNA and the chromosomes and stuff can match. So a lot of the times when they pop people with DNA matches, it comes up as like, it could be a family member or something, and it, like it'll pop. It depends on who's in the system. Yes. So if your family members in the system, it's gonna pop them up. It's not gonna say it's them, but it says it's a match to their DNA, which lets them know it's somebody in the family. Yes, that did it. Well, unfortunately, this little loophole, I guess, basically was enough that it created reasonable doubt. Yeah. And so that would not result in a. Like, them finding him guilty, so unfortunately, they couldn't pin it on him. They knew it was him, but they didn't have beyond a reasonable doubt that it was his. So, they decided that they were going to delay charges and just wait to see if they could find something stronger. Which makes sense. It sucks that that's how that is, but... They did that because you can only be tried once for a day. So, if they had tried him and they lost, they wouldn't be able to try him again. No. So, what they did do is they decided to institute round-the-clock surveillance and follow him everywhere. Like, they were going to monitor him. Well, on October 15th, he was basically able to evade the police people who were following him. And a few days later, the body of his final victim, 27-year-old Christopher Sutherland, would be found. Honestly, I would be pissed at the the police department. You had one job to watch this man. Mm-hmm. One frail 40-year-old something bald-headed man and you can't watch him. 
angry at all this, they decided to basically just take the chance, screw the reasonable doubt, and file charges regardless of that. Meanwhile, I guess he was freaking out. I mean, I assume he would be, but he decided to leave where he was living with his sister, like on his sister's land and everything, and decided to move into a homeless shelter. Okay. I don't understand that, um, but it doesn't make sense to me why he would move into a homeless shelter, but I don't, I don't really know. You have no privacy. You have nowhere to take back your victims. Yes. You know. I don't know. Well, either way, the cops show up to the homeless shelter. They arrest him, and he, they arrest him and take him back to the police station. In the end, he did end up confessing to the killings. And overall says that he killed 23 men. Yeah. And that he did it for for reasons of... He was having sex with somebody, and they got aggressive, and so he killed them. Or, this person tried to rape me, and so I killed them. Or, this person tried to stab me, and I killed him. So, yeah, it's just like he's putting blame on Yeah, basically he was just trying himself. to say... Okay, how, why is it happening 23 times? Like, don't put yourself I'm saying. in that situation. Yes. Um, he did avoid the death penalty because he confessed to all of this. I hate that. Which is... Yeah, it's very sucky, but whatever. Like, again, we've always said we don't know how we feel. I don't personally know how I feel about the death penalty. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, but I hate that you get, like, lessons since just because you say that you did it. Like, we already know you did it. Yeah. It doesn't, it shouldn't matter if you, it comes out of your mouth or not. You still did it. Like, yeah. Anyway. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't make it, you know, less hurt for families. No, not at all. Um, he did get sentenced to eight life late oh my gosh eight consecutive life sentences and he'll never be out thank god because he'll keep doing it he would he had the entire police department following him and he still killed a person he would keep doing it if he was really like I, i just don't understand how as if you know you're being followed by the cops how do you be so bold Dumb. As to kill someone else, they don't care. I think I think a lot of people they want to get caught. They either want to be killed by the police, or they just know they're going to spend the rest of their life in prison. And I mean, I can understand how the cops would be angry because you lose them, and then all of a sudden there's somebody else that could have you could have prevented their death, and now they're dead. I guarantee somebody in that fire or not fire department, police department got fired. Oh yeah, because you had one job to follow him, and you couldn't even do that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's in prison, hopefully rotting like the piece of scum that he is. Yeah. Um, All he had to do was say he was gay. Yeah. Or come to terms. I honestly feel like it was that. Like, he was, I don't know, and he was messed up. His mom's having sex with his brother. Supposedly. having to live with his sister. He can't even support himself. Nobody likes him. He tried (laughs) to do drag. It didn't work out. He did a really bad Patty Patty LaBelle impersonation. So, I mean, I feel pretty bad for him up until the point that he killed people. Yeah. Once you killed people, then I don't feel bad for you. It's the same with Jeffrey Dahmer. He was gay and he didn't want to admit that he was gay. So, he killed people and ate them. Like... Is it really that bad that you're gay? Be your true, authentic self. If society doesn't like it, it's 
there's people like me and Crystal. We we love you. We're we would much rather you just say you're gay than go out and kill And people. I would much rather you be a weirdo and hang out with us than kill, kill people. people. Like no. I can embrace your weirdness. Like I would go and see you do a really bad Patty LaBelle impersonation and cheer you on and post you on Instagram and be like, look at my friend. I've just always been that person. I'm going mm-hmm. I'm going to be nice to you until you give me a, a reason, reason not, not to. to. Yes. I don't care who you are, what you look like, what you feel. The second you be me. rude to me, I'm we're done. Because I was the weird kid. Yeah. I'm still the weird person in the family. But I don't go out and kill people. Because because I'm weird. Yeah. Or I'm different than society wants me to be. I also think maybe it has to do with like the time. It was, you know, like I feel the like eighties and the nineties and early two thousands. Yeah, I feel it's like it's more. I don't want to say normal, but it's more accepted. It's frequent now, as it should. I mean, it was frequent back then. Yeah, it was hush hush. I feel like it's just more accepted. Like I feel like nowadays more people are like, "Oh, you're gay, cool." There's more people like us. Like, yeah, we just don't. I don't care. It's not that we don't care, but it's. It's normal to us. There's, and I, I feel like, but I almost feel like saying normal implies that there's something abnormal about it. it. It's just we don't we don't an care. Eye. Yeah. Like, like we said in the beginning, if you're doing something, as long as it's not hurting another person, mm-hmm. well, I don't care. I don't care I what you do. Literally, love every shape, size, color, whatever. Like, on the I planet. don't know. I guess because... As long as you're not a butthole. Yeah, as long as you're not a butthole about it. And punching people at Mardi Gras parades. Yeah, that's... Like, Mardi Gras is supposed to be fun. Mm. Like, it's... We're sorry you're you're crotchety and bald and walk with a cane. Yeah, and have a heart condition. Like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Like, I'm sorry that you didn't have grinder back in your day. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like maybe that would have helped you. Uh, Yeah. I still remember when Grinder first came out and Stephanie and I had no idea what it was. I didn't know and what it was until my brother-in-law, but full disclosure, my brother-in-law is gay. And mm-hmm. he explained to me, because he told me he was going on a Grinder day, and I, I I, was straight up like, I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. And he explained it to me, and I'm like, well, that's nice that they had that. I mean, yeah, Stephanie and I figured it out, it too. Wasn't and I was it like, weird to me. I was me. like, that's cool. Because sometimes it can be hard. Because if you out yourself, sometimes there's some not so nice people. Yeah, and it's especially for men, it's hard to go up to people and try to I make think, relationships. I feel like it's hard for anybody who is gay, and I feel like it's hard for people who are bisexual as well too. Because men, men but fetishize I, it if it's women. Yes, I feel like women being gay or women being bisexual is very fetishized. And it people is. like, oh, yeah, I like that. You're into I girls. I want to watch you, too. Or men yeah. are like, you just haven't had the right man. Yeah, no, that's not what it is. But then away. it's like at the same time at the flip of a switch where the guy is gay, it's like, oh, you're less than a man. It's disgusting. Yeah, get over yourself, dude. We don't or, need yeah, talk. Like it's hot when two girls kiss on TV. Oh, but no. it's disgusting when two men kiss on TV. I've never cared, honestly. Like even when I was young and I would see stuff like that, I didn't even bat an eye and I was like, oh okay. Yeah, it doesn't it I doesn't I'm very thankful for the person I am. Because yeah. even And I feel I, and I tell people all the time, I 
challenge people every single day to check your bias. Mm -hmm. Like if you ever encounter something that gives you a negative thought, which happens to me every single day. I mean, if I don't admit that, I'd be wrong for admitting that. Every single day I have a, like, I guess you can call them intrusive thoughts or I'll prejudge someone and I make and I take the conscious effort to say, why did I just judge them like that? I'll be honest. Why did I, I just have with, that thing? I do it with men. Like when we, I do with, when yeah. we were getting into our cars earlier when we mm-hmm. got your pass and those men were parked beside us, mm-hmm. the one dude was kind of staring at me a little too long mm-hmm. and I was like, hurry up, get in the Jeep. I was uh-huh. like, make sure Crystal gets in her yeah. Jeep. But they might have been two nice men. I don't know. But like, I mean, they... They could have just, he could have not even been staring Very at us. Know, he could have yeah. just been staring past us. But I was like, get in, turn the car on, don't look at my butt, you yeah. know, like stuff like that. But you but have to also think, I it's felt sad. Bad. I it's felt. sad that we have to think that way, yeah. but it's sad that our brains have been trained to think that I way. I felt bad. I was like, they probably don't, didn't even notice me getting yeah. in my vehicle. They're probably having a good conversation, and waiting, Yeah, and I'm just being a butthole. Yeah. <laughs> so I always challenge people. If you have a thought today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this and you think back about this and you have, you prejudge someone or you have a new, you have a sexist, racist, horrible thought about someone, ask yourself, whoa, why did I think that? And then dive into that thought process and investigate that part about yourself. And I promise you will come out a better person. So. I don't know what that rant was about, but basically, don't be a weirdo who kills people. Be a weirdo who finds other weirdos who embrace you. And if you can't find weirdos who embrace you, Bethany and I will embrace you. Yeah, we're definitely a bunch of weirdos. If your family doesn't talk to you and your mom doesn't talk to you because you're gay, well, you have two new moms (sighs) right here. You, or sisters, or whatever. Moms. Yeah, whatever you need us to be, we will be that for you. Yep. So we're a little weird. Yeah, we're here. Strange and unusual. Yeah. But yeah, this was kind of. I shouldn't say cool episode because we talked about some bad stuff. But I feel like people are gonna like it. You're gonna feel like you're sitting down chilling with us, which is what we want you to do. Yeah, we want you good. to feel like you're hanging out with it us. Was good. There wasn't anybody cutting buttholes out. I and eating them. <laughs> you have to go back and listen. You gotta go back episode. a couple episodes about the eating buttholes part. Uh, I mean, there was talk of buttholes in this episode. Yeah, a different way, and it was sad. But why do I talk about buttholes so I much? No, gosh, I always tell you guys that I'm going to do a nice episode, yeah. a person who survived episode, an episode that doesn't talk about buttholes, and apparently, I just don't know how to keep my promises. Yep. So, but hey, it happens. Yep, it happens. You know, oh well. But we're ending on a happy note. So. Yes. So I hope you guys have a great day. I hope you guys are fantastic humans, and I hope you spread a little bit of kindness and wherever you go today. And joy and sunshine and yep. rainbows, and butterflies. Yep. Do something nice for someone. And if you're not around anyone today, do something nice for yourself. Treat yourself. Yes. Well, have a great day, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye, guys.